Hey, this is Doug Eccles. We want to welcome you to our podcast, Got Better Things for You. First Corinthians 16, verse 9, For a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. For a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the anointing. And we believe today that every life uh, will be impacted with this gospel. Lord, I pray that you would give hope to the hopeless and help to those that are helpless. And Lord, we need a, a move of God, that you would touch our, our our spirit today by the power of God, that we would never uh, be the same in Jesus' name. And I pray, Lord, uh, today that there be utterance of the Holy Ghost, uh, uh, that we would hear from heaven what the Spirit is saying to the church. And I pray, Lord, that uh, the Word of God would be relevant to, uh, to uh, our need today, I pray. Lord, help me if I've ever needed your help. I need it today. Have mercy on us, I pray, in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. The Bible says, A great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. I believe uh, the Message Bible says a huge door is opened unto me. The NIV says a great door for effective work. The Amplified Bible says a wide door of opportunity. But how many know that when a door opens, many times there are things that will come against you? I've heard some people, they, go, they have their uh, doctrine so fouled up that when something comes against them, they would have to say that it's not the will of God for their life. Now, I understand that I am led by the Spirit. I'm not led by accidents. I'm not led by disease. I'm not led by calamity. I'm not le led by adversity. I'm led by the Spirit of God. Do you understand that today? So when something comes against me, I don't say, well, this must be the will of God. Many times I believe it's the devil's plan to abort your future, your his uh, God's plan for your life. Are you understanding that today? There is a great and effectual door opened unto you, and uh, there are many adversaries. This Word of God came alive in my spirit. Uh, in November of last year, I was preaching in uh, uh, Ghana, West Africa, and uh, I went to preach. Uh, we'd held a crusade among the Liberian refugees in, in, that had uh, landed uh, uh, in uh, Ghana. And uh, then on Sunday, we were preaching in a church, and I'm on the platform. We'd had a lot of things go wrong that week. The, the generator broke, and then uh, we preached one night with no lights. We preached the next night with uh, uh, a sound system that only worked halfway. And, you know, a lot of things went wrong. And I was mad at the devil. Amen. See, I know who to be mad at. God is a good God and the devil's a bad devil. Amen. But I was mad at the devil and the Lord dropped that word in my heart. For a great door and effectual is opened unto you and yet there are many adversaries. It did something for me. I had to look it up in my concordance. I didn't know where the verse was. But how many know when you put the word of God down in your heart, it comes out in times that you need it. 
Amen. And so I had to look up where it was found at, and I found that verse, and I must have read it somewhere along the line, and it had ministered to me in times past because I had highlighted it in my Bible, and I found out something. The Lord was speaking to me. He knew what I needed that day. And how many know he knows what you need today? He's not, uh, my Bible says he is mindful of you. That means you are on his mind today. Do you understand you're on the Lord's mind? Sometimes we think he's forgotten us, but I am telling you, he is thinking about you today. And the Bible says a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. The word adversary there in the Greek uh, is got a word parallel to it in the Hebrew. When you would read the verse that we love so well, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of some of them. I thought you might need to be listening, all right? He said all of them. That word, uh, many are the afflictions. That word affliction is the closest word in the Hebrew that would line up to adversary in the Greek. So that tells me when something comes against me, I know that uh, the Lord is going to bring me out and bring me through. How many know when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will lift up a standard against him? Do you understand that? And we know today that doors are opened by the Lord. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. In verse number 12, it says, Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, a door was open unto me. You'll find that Paul, he prayed from prison uh, for a door to open. See, a door is an opportunity to serve the Lord. And I believe doors are opened by the Lord. And I believe the Lord has opened up many doors for us, but yet there are many doors that you need to have open, and there are many that you need to open in order to fulfill your divine purpose and destiny in your life. I want to say something to you. I was sitting on the platform, and I may have told a little bit of this uh, uh, when I was here before, but I think it bears repeating today. I'm sitting on the platform, uh, after that crusade in Ghana with the Liberian refugees and after the Lord had given me that scripture in the morning, I'm sitting on the platform at Action Faith at night and as I'm sitting there at Action Faith, about a 16,000 member church there in Ghana, uh, the Lord dropped the word into my heart. It was this, you can get anywhere from nowhere with God. You can get anywhere from nowhere with God. Tell your neighbor that. You can get anywhere from nowhere with God. You can get anywhere from nowhere with God. I think sometimes we look at where we're at and we think, how am I going to get where the Lord has promised me? How can I even uh, fulfill the plan and purpose he has given for me? If Paul can pray for God to open the door out of prison, I'm telling you, I don't see anybody sitting in prison physically today. You might be in prison in your mind. You might be in prison uh, in your uh, surroundings, but I'm going to tell you something. God can open a door for you and you can get anywhere from nowhere with God. I don't think we understand that today. You're going to find Mary. Think about Mary, the mother of Jesus. You're going to find that Mary was an unmarried uh, uh, teenager that was pregnant. She was in an obscure place. 
And the Lord sent an angel to speak unto her. And the angel said, you're going to have a baby and that baby is going to be great. And she said, how shall this be? And the angel answered with three powerful words that changed her life forever. He answered with these words, the Holy Ghost. How many know those three words can change your life? Sometimes we look at what we're sitting in and the position we're at and the place we are and we leave the Holy Ghost out. But I'm going to tell you something. If it takes the Holy Ghost to create the world and it takes the Holy Ghost to create a son and if it takes the Holy Ghost to begin the church, I'm telling you, we ought not be light on the Holy Ghost. We ought to take advantage of the Holy Ghost and realize that he can turn our life around. The Holy Ghost. Now, I like how she answered the mother of Jesus, she said, be it unto me according to thy word. I wonder how many mothers today would say, be it unto me according to thy word. I'm going to tell you something. The word of God can turn your life around. And when we stand upon it, this is the incorruptible seed that will not return void, but it will prosper in that which it is sent. So I understand today you can get anywhere from nowhere with God. Think about Jesus. We say, you don't know where I was born at. You don't know how I was raised. Think about Jesus. He was born in a manger. I don't know how you were born, but I'm going to tell you, I, I don't think any of us were probably born in a manger. Now, I, I'm thinking about my mother. My mother was born in her home where her parents lived. And to keep her warm, they stuck her in a box and stuck her in the oven. Seriously. But I'm going to tell you something. You can get anywhere from nowhere with God. Jesus, born in a manger. History says that he was raised in a town that only had one street and 11 houses. One street, 11 houses. You say, you don't know where I live. One street, 11 houses. Think about that the next time you're complaining about where you're at. One street, 11 houses. We're talking about a man that had no record of any formal education. But today, we're still fighting wars over who is king of kings and lord of lords. I will tell you, it's Jesus, this one that came from an obscure place. He went from nowhere and he became somebody great because God... God was in it. How about this today? You got the woman with the issue of blood. She was at that place. She was nowhere. But I'm going to tell you, when she touched Jesus, the Bible said, uh, Jesus said, somebody hath touched me. She was an absolute nobody. But when she touched Jesus, she became a somebody. Today, I don't care who you are. I don't care where you come from. I don't care if you own the biggest bank in the Virgin Islands. I don't care if you got accounts lined up in the Cayman Islands. I don't care if you got uh, 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 a high prestige job. If you don't know Jesus, you're an absolute nobody. But when you touch Jesus, you become a somebody, an heir of God, a joint heir with Christ Jesus. You got royal blood flowing in your veins. And with Jesus, you can get anywhere from nowhere. Somebody say amen. I don't know what place of obscurity you're at today, but I'm going to tell you, God can get you at the right place at the right time to meet the right people. Now, I don't know how Brother Estrada feels, but I'm going to tell you, I already said, we met Brother Kenneth Estrada uh, when uh, uh, Lori had, we'd already ministered around the world, and when my girls had to go to school, Lori uh, had to stay home as a mother with the girls. 
So we were no longer traveling together like we were. So she said, I want to increase myself. So while... Uh, the kids were in school in the first half of the day. She went to Ramah. And that's how we, we hired a girl that uh, we had revival in Tulsa. And I said, you, uh, I don't know if you knew this, Kenneth, but I told her every person you bring to revival when I'm in Tulsa, I'll give you five extra dollars in your paycheck. So that's why she wanted you to come so bad. You didn't even know that, did you? But I'm going to tell you, I think if you can't get people there, I'll pay you to come, all right? So understand, she, uh, this young lady that knew Kenneth invited him out, we had a connection there. And from that, we have uh, uh, had a connection with your pastor. And from that, I believe that uh, the Lord brought us really together to be a help to you during this time as you're growing. I really believe that's why the Lord brought us together. But how many know the Lord knows how to get people at the right place, at the right time, at the right moment to get things done? That's how the Lord is. You think that that doesn't happen? We're talking about, I remember when uh, Brother Estrada let me preach the first time. He was thinking about not letting me preach on Sunday after he met me. He said, you know what? I've never heard him preach and Kenneth wouldn't back me up very well. You know this? You didn't know all this. After he saw me, he wasn't going to let me preach. You know what? I had to go read a few Bob Schuler books before I could preach again. <laughs> How many know it's bad when people look at you and they think, oh, well, he can't do anything. <laughs> Judge not lest ye be judged. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. I'm having fun today. But I'm going to tell you, the Lord can put you in the right place at the right time. I'm telling you, he spoke that word into my heart when I'm sitting on the platform there in Ghana, West Africa. And the Lord hooked me up with one of the most influential men in Africa, really, a preacher of the gospel that opened up many, many doors. The Lord knows that that was my dream to preach around Africa and preach around the world. That was my dream. But it, a lot of times things were coming against me every time I would try to set my foot into Africa, I mean, all hell would break loose. See, I'm telling you, many times when doors are open, there'll be many adversaries. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. I know that as you've started this building project, there's been many adversaries. See, sometimes we think, oh, yeah, Brother Estrada, he's so cool, he's under control. But I'm going to tell you, there's been adversaries come against, and there's been things try to stop uh, the work of God. But I'm going to tell you something. You can get anywhere from nowhere with God. Joseph went from the pit to the palace in one day. So whether you're in the pit today, realize tomorrow by the power of the Holy Ghost, you can be sitting in the palace. Somebody say amen. I want to say this to you. I want you to hear this. I see great things coming your way. It's inevitable. I see great things coming your way. It's inevitable. Tell your neighbor that today. I like that part. It's inevitable. Say it out loud. It's inevitable. What does that mean? It's incapable of being avoided. I see great things coming your way. It's inevitable. See, understand something. The word has been planted. The word has been watered. What happens? It's harvest time. 
See, some of you that are mothers here today, because of this day, you have a, a heightened awareness about your children's salvation and about their future. But understand, the word has been planted. The word has been watered. I declare it's harvest time. I see great things coming your way. It's inevitable. It's inevitable. Do you understand? Dwayne Moss and I, we grew up in the same town together. We grew up in western Oklahoma. Now, what does that mean? I don't have a clue, but it means that this. Western Oklahoma is wheat country. Wheat W-H-E-A-T. For you, those of you that don't understand my English. Sometimes when you guys talk to me, I just look at you and shake my head, and I don't understand a word you're saying. <laughs> the one lady that was a visitor, she was the only one that I recognized where she was from and who she was. She spoke uh, my kind of English. It sounded Southern to me. But anyway, you know, you know what I'm saying. We grew up in western Oklahoma. You know what? Today, let's see, only about a week and a half more of school in Oklahoma. And you know why that is? Because in Oklahoma, toward the end of May, the beginning of June, the wheat harvest is on. Are you understanding me? So that wheat harvest, they let the children out of school for years because they wanted to be sure that if the children needed to help their family in the wheat harvest, uh, that they were out of school so they could help the harvest because harvest is very important. See, too many times we think about sowing and watering, but we're not preparing for the harvest. Do you understand that wheat farmers in western Oklahoma, they will prepare all year long. They will oil the tractor. They'll make sure it's lubed correctly. The tires are right. The engine runs perfectly. That the trucks that take the, the grain from the field to the grain elevator, they're all prepared. They'll spend nine, ten months working on getting things prepared for that which is going to take place in two weeks. Yes. Now understand something. My dad, I remember I was a boy and wheat harvest had started. One of the farmers in our church there probably had about 7,500 acres of wheat. And he called my dad and he said, Brother Eccles, he said, uh, I know that this is an imposition. He said, but my brother-in-law, he was driving the truck from the field to the grain elevator. See, they would cut some wheat. Then they'd let the wheat come out into the truck, and then that truck would go in. About the time they'd come back, they're ready to fill the truck up again. He said, my brother-in-law has gotten sick. They put him in the hospital. He said, we don't have anybody else to drive that truck from the field to the grain elevator today. Brother Eccles, could you help? Now, my dad understands how important the harvest was. My dad had all of the business that he had to do with the church, a very large church, a very good church. He had all that business, but he dropped everything because the harvest was more important than anything else. I'm telling you, in these days, understand, we are all on the same team. Brother, Brother Estrada and I are on the same team. Brother Kenneth and I on the same team. Sister Estrada and I, same team. My wife and I, same team. You and I are on the same team today, and we what do we have to do? We have to get ready. The seed has been planted. The seed has been watered. This is harvest time. I see great things coming your way. It's inevitable. But we all have got to put our shoulder to the plow and begin to work.
Understand something. Those of you that have planted seed in family's life, I'm telling you, I see great things coming your way. It's inevitable. I've been in churches, you know, when somebody, one of the sisters will get up and say, you know, my son who was far, far from God, he gave me a call and we, and he was crying on the phone and things weren't going very well in his life and he gave his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've seen a few people will shout and say, that's good, and others will go on. Because, you know, we have a hard time uh, getting happy over somebody else's blessing. But I'm going to tell you something. People in this church are going to begin to get blessed in an unprecedented manner. And what does that tell me? That tells me if I want to be part of that team that gets blessed, I don't get upset when somebody else gets blessed. See, I've said it many times, but when God blesses your neighbor, that means he's in the neighborhood. So we ought not get upset about that. Have you ever noticed how people get jealous when somebody else gets blessed? You know, I can't believe they got a car. I've been praying for one, and they've already had two to my nun. And we almost put a curse on them, you know. We avoid them. I'm going to tell you, we ought to get blessed when somebody else is blessed. You know, if you go into Kmart and you purchase a, uh, 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 you're standing in line, maybe the person in front of you has a big old cart full of everything under the sun, and all you got is batteries. And then the lady in front of you says, you know what? I forgot something. Why don't you go in front of me? You know what? You're blessed because you're next in line. See, if you'll have an attitude when people around here on your team begin to be blessed and you have an attitude that thanks God when they get blessed because that means they're out of line and you might be next in line. Come on, we need to realize, I believe, that great things are coming our way. It's inevitable. Somebody say amen. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. Everybody say, God is able to make grace abound toward me. That you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Every favor and earthly blessing may be yours. I'm telling you something. Promotion is coming. Promotion is coming today. Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 10. The Bible says in Colossians 1 and verse number 10. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. I believe it's God's will for you to be fruitful. I believe it's God's will for you to bear fruit in your life. I believe it's God's will for you to abound and that promotion comes. I heard something at the graduation when Brother Kenneth graduated from Rhema and Lori. They graduated the same day. That's the day I met Pastor Estrada there. But I'm going to tell you something. At that graduation, I heard that preacher say that day. He said, too many people are history students. They need to be history makers. I don't want to be a history student. I want to be one that makes some history. I'm telling you, it looks like the, think about the history of the world. It's been people that were in obscure places that did great things and changed this world. One moment they changed the world. See, I think sometimes most people get to this point, I've had enough. 
And when they had enough, then they become a history maker. I've had enough of being a history student. When they came to their senses and they realized that, that they can do something and they don't care what the consequences are, there's going to be a change brought forth. I'm telling you something. I, again, I see great things coming your way. It's inevitable. Go with me over to Romans 11. Romans 11, verse number 29. The Bible says, For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. How many know that God has given you a gift? Do you realize you're a gift? You know, being a mother is a gift. Think about if you don't have one, you realize that it is a gift to have one. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Now I understand that God gave gifts unto many named a pastor. Your pastor's a gift to you. You understand that according to Ephesians 4. He's a gift to you. But understand today, it's never too late to become what you should have been. It's never too late to become what you should have been. Tell your neighbor, it's never too late. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. The Amplified Bible says they're irrevocable. He does not change his mind. I remember sitting at a restaurant in the town that I grew up in. Sitting at a restaurant in a booth with a man that had befriended me when I was in high school. Now understand, I sang in the choir when I was in the church choir when I was in high school. My dad's the pastor. My mother was the choir director at that time. I didn't, my dad didn't make me sing in the choir, but he said this. He said, son, if you want things to be easier at home, he said, I'd join the choir. <laughs> That's all he said. So I may look stupid, but I'm not dumb. I joined the choir. All right? So I sang in the choir, and I sat next to a man in that choir that was a Vietnam veteran. And how many know you can be a grown man and still be immature? <laughs> don't, hit, don't punch your husband in the ribs. But anyhow, this man was a grown man. He'd been to Vietnam, but he was still very immature. And he, he befriended me. We sat by each other in the choir. And uh, we would do things that I don't recommend you do at this church. We would leave after choir, you know, we'd step out the side door and we'd get in his car and go to the ice cream place and eat ice cream and then come back before the end of the service and we thought nobody noticed, including his wife. All right? Not a good thing to do. This isn't good now. I'm going to pray the Lord gets you if you do it, okay? Forget it. So he had befriended me. But he always had an attitude about pastors and preachers. You know people like this on the island. I've talked to a few of them. Yeah, I don't want to go to that church. You know, all they want there at that church is my money. You ever heard that? Well, how many know when you go into Kmart, all they built Kmart for was to take your money, and you never complain when you get to go there. So quit complaining about here, all right? When you get to go to the mall, you go, woo, half-price blouses. <laughs> and you come to church, do I have to pay for this? Man, you know in the world you got to pay for everything. So why do you get upset when it happens at church? 
That's a whole nother sermon. I'll leave it alone. So anyhow, we're sitting at this table. My buddy, who's older than me, I'm in the ministry now, probably 10 years at that time. He sits there and he starts complaining about his pastor. He starts complaining about other pastors. Now understand, the only friends I have almost in the world are pastors. All right? I have a lot of pastor friends, so it's irritating me. My dad's a pastor. My grandfather was a pastor. When you start hammering pastors, I'm going to get mad about it. So finally, I realized that this man killed people with his bare hands, you know, in Vietnam. But I'm going to take a chance. All right? I look at him, I say, the only problem with you is before you went to Vietnam, God had called you to preach And you ran from the call. That's why you're so angry with pastors and preachers. He looks at me and his face gets real red and he starts coming over the booth at me. And I'm thinking, this man killed people with his bare hands. The other thought I have is, I never have. (laughs) Okay? All of a sudden, tears start running down that brother's face. He said, you're right. He said, I was called to preach before I went to Vietnam. But he said, it's too late for me. It's too late for me. He said, I've seen too much. I've done too much. I've been too many places. I've sinned too much. Now, I'm going to tell you, when you have an attitude like that, you're saying that the blood of Jesus is not very strong. I'm going to tell you something. I don't care how much you've seen, how much you've done, and how much sin you've gotten yourself into. I'm going to tell you, if you know something about the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus is much stronger than your problems, your past, and even your future. Somebody say amen. Somebody say thank God for the blood. He starts crying. He kept saying it's too late. It's too late. I quoted him the scripture, for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. I said, it's never too late to become what you should have been. He said, it's too late for me. He, he, I couldn't get it through his thick skull. But I'm going to tell you something. I want to read out of Philippians. Philippians, the first chapter in verse number five, it says, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ, right up until the time of his returning, he is going to perform a good work in you. I'm going to tell you something. When the devil tries to bring his adversary and his adversity against you, realize he's going to perform a good work in you until the day of Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you, you may get knocked down, but Micah 7, 8 says, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. I'm going to tell you, I may get knocked down, but I'm getting back up in the power of Jesus' name. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Let me tell you something about that man. He owned a gas station, a filling station. I don't know what you call them here. Gas station, all right? Just making sure we're on the same page. He owned a gas station that they worked on mufflers as well. He was working on mufflers, and he was the kind of guy that would try to hide his sin from the church people. You know, he'd uh, be smoking away, you know, and when the, somebody from the church drove by, he'd flip his cigarette away like we couldn't tell he smoked. If you smell like fire and brimstone, we know you smoke. 
So he flipped a cigarette into a container that was full, on accident, full of washer wiper fluid, which is very highly flammable. It blew up. We're talking about a gas station. He's standing right beside it. All the fuel that's connected there, all the oil and all those things. They rushed him by helicopter to the nearest major burn center, which was two and a half hours away by driving. But they took him there by helicopter. I got a phone call from his mother. His mother said, Doug, I know Don is your friend. He's your buddy. He said, "Uh, you need to pray for him. They don't think he's going to live, going to make it. Well, what she didn't know is there was preachers all over the country, people that he talked bad about. Now he needs them. They're all praying for him. But on his way um, in that life flight, that helicopter, he said, Father God, he said, if you get me through this, he said, I'll go ahead and preach your gospel. Now, I don't know. It's never too late to become what you should have been. I heard when he got out of the hospital, they they said that they were going to have to do skin grafts because there was skin missing. But supernaturally, the power of God brought healing into his body. He got out of the hospital uh, way sooner than they ever expected. And he's back doing the the same kind of work. But he preached to a group of teenagers almost immediately when he got out. And uh, I heard over 50 of them came to the altar and accepted Jesus Christ. It's never too late to become what you should have been. Somebody say amen. The Bible says in Philippians 2 and 13. The Bible says in Philippians 2 and 13. For it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He's effectually at work energizing and creating in you power and desire. How many understand that God has a way of getting you where you should be? God has a way of getting you where you should be. God has a way. I'm going to tell you something. It's never too late to become what you should have been. I'm going to tell you something. I believe, I said it earlier, he can take you from nowhere uh, to, you can get from uh, nowhere to anywhere with God. You can get anywhere from nowhere with God. Let me say it right. You're talking about a preacher's son. I know I had some things on my side, but I'm going to tell you, those of you that have heard my testimony, you know I was born with a cleft palate. The doctor said I'd never talk right. I'd never hear right. I'm going to tell you, I've had uh, uh, professors even in college when I got up to preach. They said, uh, son, what do you plan on doing when you get out of college? I said, well, I'm going to be a, a, a youth pastor. They said, I think you ought to pick another profession. I'm going to tell you, God can take you from nowhere and get you right where he wants you to be. I'm not going to brag on me. I'm bragging on the Lord Jesus. But I'm going to tell you, I have met with prime ministers. I have uh, given the, uh, in Guyana, I was able to give the prime minister a left behind book. uh, And he said he'd read it. He, He didn't want a Bible, but he'd take the left behind book. I've met the president. I've met Liberian president's wife. I, the Lord has gave me favor all over the world. I'm going to tell you something. Who would have thought the little boy that his lip didn't meet in the front, that couldn't hear, would never speak right, that God would open these doors? I don't know what that means to you. You may be looking at your child and thinking there's not much of a future, but when you add God, the Holy Ghost, and Jesus, things will turn around on your behalf. Somebody say amen today. Now, I want to close with this. Go with me to Matthew 17. 
Pastor told me three times yesterday, it's Mother's Day. It's Mother's Day. It's Mother's Day. I don't know what that meant, but I came to build you up today, all right? Matthew 17, verse 24. And when they were come to Capernaum, they that received tribute money came to Peter and said, Does not your master pay tribute? He said, Yes. And when he was coming to the house, Jesus prevented him, saying, What thinkest thou, Simon? Of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute of their own children or of strangers? Peter said unto them, or him, of strangers. Jesus said unto him, Then are the children free. Notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, go thou to the sea, cast an hook, take up the fish, that first cometh up, and when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money that take and give unto them from me and thee. I want to say this when I close. When God wants to bless you, he will always ask you to do something that takes faith. When God wants to bless you. See, some of us have this idea, if I just won the lottery, everything would be okay. If you won the lottery, you wouldn't be using faith. I, I think you ought not play the lottery. But I'm going to tell you something. I want to be a God pleaser. And to be a God pleaser, my Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. So when God wants to bless you, he'll ask you to do something that takes faith. I tell this story all the time, but think about Simon Peter. What is his profession? He's a professional fisherman when he came to follow Jesus. I am an amateur fisherman. I heard Pastor uh, snagged him a shark the other day. Speared a shark. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If he's like me, every time I've been fishing, Dwayne Moss, we've been fishing a lot together. And I'm going to tell you, I've caught a lot of largemouth bass, you know. And you take a bass, and when you pull the hook out, you hold your hand in his mouth because he doesn't have teeth. Or he has them, but they're not, like, scary. <laughs> you open his mouth, you pull the hook out. When I've looked, opened that mouth and looked in the mouth of a large mouth bass, I've never found any money in a fish's mouth. Now, I'm going to tell you, I've had faith looking, though. I figure if he did it once, he can do it again. I think I've heard that preached before, right? So understand this. I am an amateur fisherman who has looked in hundreds of fish's mouths. But a professional fisherman, no doubt he's looked in thousands of mouths of fish. Can you imagine when Jesus says, hey, go to the sea, cast a hook. The first fish you catch, you're going to find your tax money. Jesus, you are nuts. Jesus, you're crazy. You need to be in the asylum. That's what some of us, our mind would think. Fish do not have money in their mouth. But see, when God wants to bless you, he'll ask you to do something that takes faith. Understand, this, this what the Lord has given you this opportunity, this great door that you're underneath right now. You don't know how it is going to affect this island. You don't know how it's going to affect your family. You don't know how it's going to affect the world. See, I'm going to tell you something. The mainland isn't where all the blessings come from. It comes from God. And when God wants to bless you, he will ask you to do something that takes faith. That is why that Pastor Estrada and I, I love his faith. 
And when he's talking about how God has directed him to do these things without being in debt, it takes faith and it's stretching some of your faith and it's pushing you beyond what you think. But I'm going to tell you, the outcome is he is going to give back to you with the same measure that you meet with all it shall be given back, pressed down, shaken together, running over. You say, I don't understand how God works. He said, pressed down, shaken together, running over. How many men here, you know, today we're not going to complain about it, but most days I don't like to take the trash out. If I walk by the trash in the kitchen and it's full, you know what I do? I do something big, biblical. Pressed down, shaken together. I don't want it running over. I push it down. So I'm thinking, you know, we can put a little bit more there and maybe, you know, it'll be full when she walks by. <laughs> don't, don't listen to this, okay? But I'm going to tell you something. When you give out, it's coming back. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. That's how God said he would bless you. When God wants to bless you, he'll ask you to do something that takes faith. Do you think the children of Israel walking around the walls of Jericho six times, uh, one time each for six days, seventh day, seven times around, it took faith? Now, you're telling me that the walls are going to come down when I walk around them. Can you imagine? He said, don't say anything. Don't make any noise. Because he knew some of them were going to start talking between them. Well, you know how. I think that he's lost it if he thinks these walls are going to come down. So I'm going to tell you something. If you can't say something good about what's going on here at the church, then don't say anything at all. Because we're going to see what God can do. Amen. Understand this. You find Naaman. He dipped seven times in the river Jordan. He almost missed his blessing because he got in an argument saying, I'm not going down in that dirty river when there are all the good rivers are in my country. Why do I have to do it here? I don't know why God uh, will ask you to do things that take faith, but he knows that faith pleases him and he wants you to be a God pleaser. What is it going to take? The widow woman... She could have said, look, I'm not going to give you anything to the man of God. But the man of God, when she gave, she and he and her son did eat many days. I'm telling you today, something's taking place. When you use your faith, I'm going to tell you all the, the limits are torn off. I'm telling you all the limits placed upon you by your education, all the limits placed upon you by where you come from, all the limits placed upon you by your family tradition, all the limits placed upon you by religious tradition, they are broken off when you use your faith. I don't know what excuse you have today, but I will tell you something. I believe there's an effectual door opened unto you. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with this effectual door opened unto you? See, understand, according to my Bible, we know that those that are not right with God, those that are not saved one day will stand at the great white throne judgment. But those of us that are saved, think about this. We stand at the judgment seat of Christ, and every man will give an account of himself before God. Think about this. When he says, you had this great effectual door opened unto you, what did you do with it? Well, I did nothing. I sat on my hands. I did nothing. I'm telling you, I believe that he is going to say to some, depart from me. I never knew you. But to others, he's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. 
I want to be a faithful servant. I want to be a faithful servant. I want God to say, well done in these days. I'm telling you something. You can get anywhere from nowhere with God. I see great things coming your way. It's inevitable. It's never too late to become what you should have been. And listen, when God wants to bless you, bless you to do something that takes faith. 